It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard-earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote-unquote next best thing. So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Listen, if you're interested in passive real estate investing, but aren't sure how or where to get started, our passive investing guide walks you through the entire process from understanding the benefits to performing the due diligence. Download your copy today at twosmartassets.com and start taking action. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, and today our guests are Susie Sevier and Michael Barnhart. They are a military couple living overseas in Cambridge, England. Michael is active duty Air Force, and Susie has recently become a full-time real estate professional. They are multifamily syndicators who are extreme long-distance investors, and since starting their multifamily journey in August 2020, they have closed on 392 units, which is amazing. I, I love that. Uh, Susie, Michael, it's great to see you both. Welcome to the show. No, thank you so much. We're really excited. And you know, it's even more awesome. Now I feel like it's um, three assets instead of two, three that's smart it. assets. So that's Absolutely. <laughs> we, we are the three smart assets today. So we're just going to be in the show for this episode. I love it. Perfect. So, you know, I'm excited to speak to you both today. It's been it's been in the works for a little while now. And, you know, we briefly touched on your background there in the in the intro there. But to kick this thing off, I want to make sure our listeners know more about, about you both and your story. So take a little bit of time. Tell us more about your background, your story, and how you got into real estate. Yeah. No, I'd love to. So we'll like bounce back and forth. From sure. Each other. Yeah. But so as Danny said, like, yes, I am full-time real estate now, but I was a program manager for a biotech company over here. And I mean, before then I had gotten my MBA, gone through like the traditional, like, Hey, I'm in finance, let's get an MBA and do my thing. But then like, even as a military spouse, when I figured out like how, real estate could like make our move so much easier and make like my identity, like stay attached so much better. It was like a no brainer for me to go to this route. But before I talk about like how our route even started with real estate investing, I want Michael to introduce himself. Yeah. Um, so as, as Danny mentioned, the uh, military officer for like 17 years now, uh, we've been in military for 17 years. I, was, I am mainly a, well, my main career field is a program manager for the air force. So also, you know, a lot of uh, acquisition, program management, project management skill set, uh, similar to Susie. Um, but, you know, I finally, you know, put my time in the Air Force, you know, pounded sand for a while. And uh, they finally gave, gave my dream job, which is actually teaching at the Air Force Academy. So I was teaching with a, just a master's degree. Uh, and then they want me to continue teaching. So they sent me to get a PhD. And that's why we are in England right now. So I'm going to a PhD oh, at the okay. University of Cambridge. Uh, in biochemistry, and then I will <clears throat> eventually will return to the Air Force Academy to be my last tour uh, in the Air Force before I retire, and I'll be able to continue teaching and uh, and then retire after that. So that's the plan. Love it, love it. It sounds like you guys have a lot of skills that may have transferred. You know, you know, Susie and both Michael uh, skills have transferred into your real estate investing career. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, I'd love to. 
but even like something I didn't mention, which I love to bring up because it like goes a lot with like our brand and like what we love about real estate is that my undergraduate was actually in anthropology. Well, that was one of them. And then communication studies, but I took anthropology classes because I loved humans. And so now that I'm in real estate investing, it's really cool because I'm like, wait, everything that I learned about anthropology, where it was like, how certain communities tick and like what people like to do and when and how they're all like how people grow up to do this. I'm like, this all makes sense now. Like (laughs) I really, really get it, you know, but I mean, a lot of people aren't out there saying like, oh, my anthropology degree has done wonders for real estate investing. But for me, I think that's been the biggest part, even though like I've done program management and I took business classes, like, yes, I understand like the structure of a business and essentially like how to create systems and processes to like make a team work. Like if the team works and you don't really understand humans, I'm not quite sure it really all made sense. So like I contribute a lot of like how I succeed in real estate with like anthropology and just wanting to learn more and more and more about people. And so that's where I get it from. But Michael, on the other hand, you know, loves the systems and the processes (laughs) and the numbers and it's all okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, my traditional um, background in project management was using, you know, MS project, most of Microsoft projects and using, you know, filling out these huge long Gantt charts and things like that. Sure. Um, Now there's so many more better technology, (laughs) better technologies out there as far as like, you know, Asana, money.com and, Trello, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's plenty of different options out there, but like leveraging what I know in project management, I was able to like just use all of that in straight into asset management now, uh, which has helped us tremendously, I believe. Um, you know, and then and then be able to leverage those skill that skill set I had in managing a team, leading a team uh, for asset management has has paid you know paid us. Well, it really sounds like the two of you have combined to have this. It's just a great partnership, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I mean, you got Michael, who's the systems guy, right? Which is very important, right? Because you got to get yeah. you got to get down into those into those systems and you know build that stuff out. But then Susie, what you said is something no, I haven't heard on a podcast. You know, talk about anthropology and understanding humans. It's probably one of the most difficult things you can do is actually understand humans, right? I mean, I struggle <laughs> yeah. with that every it's day, so hard, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's absolutely. I think that's amazing. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up, and Susie. I want to ask you another question, you know, so you said you recently transferred into being a full-time real estate professional recently. Talk to us about how that transition has been so far for you. And did you have any reservations before taking that leap? Yeah, because I love humans. (laughs) So because of that, I like towards, so at the beginning of it, it was like, okay, I can do this. Right. Because like for so long it had been like Michael and I doing it all, but the whole reason for me to transition was because we were working like before work and after work and on the weekends. And we knew we could not sustain that. Right. But it worked because we were, we had three lockdowns over in the UK. So like Mm -hmm. staying inside our house was all we could really do. So when it came to it, it it was like, okay, I can do this. And then it, once it got towards the end of it, I was like, wait, I'm not going to be like talking to people all day long anymore. Right. I mean, technically I can, but like starting at like 3 PM, So it's like, okay, how is that going to feel? What is it going to be like? And what I had to like tell myself and even get like guidance from others and like my coach and such was like, what intention are you bringing into each meeting? So if you're going into the meeting saying like, okay, I need to fill my cup in this meeting, 
what do I have to do to be able to do that? I was like, oh no, that makes so much sense, right? Because with my like nine to five W2, whatever verbiage you want to use, I was in, sometimes I was in like 13 meetings a day and it was like, wow, this is not a meeting I have to be in. I don't want to be in these meetings, but then just need to have like fulfilling conversations. And so that's really what made it easier, but felt difficult at the beginning. But then also like, even from when we're pretty much like babies, you know, like our parents and our teachers and everything, like set this routine for us every single day, like through school. I mean, pretty much in college, you still have a routine. You still have to go to class. You still have to do your homework. But then once you're off on your own, it's like, (laughs) I have to make myself do stuff today, you know? And that can sometimes get hard because like, realistically, if I could like read and go on walks all day, that would be pretty cool, but that's not going to make me a lot of money. (laughs) I'm not going to like create an impact doing that. Like, I can't just like stay in this bubble by myself. So it was a lot of just like, almost like self-coaching, like, Hey Susie, this is what you have to do to be able to make these dreams come true. Like, because your passions are strong, like you actually have to act on them. Right. Cause that's the hardest sure. thing for us to do. Like we all want to do something, but the action is the hardest part. So it was just like coaching myself through that every day. Like, this is what I want to do. And this is why I have to do it. But to even go along with that, like Michael and I have a morning routine. And so part of our morning routine is saying, is saying affirmations. And that's really what helped the motivation every day. It's like, if I'm saying these affirmations out loud, and this is what I'm going to become, I know that I have to do something to get there. Absolutely. And, you know, affirmations are huge, right? And it's kind of help you guide you in, in that manner that you, in the direction that you want to go. And I think something else brought up is very, very important. You're talking about being a child and kind of like, you know, getting older and like, what do I do now? I know just even starting a podcast or, you know, getting into real estate investing, you know, if you don't have a clear direction of where you want to go, you're just going to be wandering around. And because there's so much to do, right? I mean, there's so many tasks to do, get done. And like, I need to do all this stuff. And then eventually you do nothing, right? So if you don't have, if you're not focused and you're not real, you know, tactical on what you're doing, you might run into issues. So I love that you brought that up. I love that you guys are, you know, crush, you guys are crushing it out there right now. And you've done it in a very short amount of time. So I do want to bring something up, you know, for some people getting started in real estate, it could just daunting in itself, right? Just, just the idea of it, right? But even if it's in their own backyard and here you two are <laughs> in, you know, investing in U.S. real estate from overseas, you know, how has that been for you guys uh, so far? Again, you started in late 2020. I think that's correct. How has it been for you guys from doing it from so far away? So it's been, it's been like a roller coaster, right? I was <laughs> like, if I don't say roller coaster, nobody's going to see my hand, but <laughs> like at the beginning, it was super cool because the whole entire world had gone virtual because all of this started because of COVID. And when everything went virtual, like Michael and I knew we had the same opportunities as everyone else, because everybody was going to the same virtual meetups. Everyone was going to the same virtual conferences and why the roller coaster goes up and down is because now obviously like the US is not in a lockdown the US got out of a lockdown way before it so we just had to like really optimize the time that we had while everything was virtual and while everyone was used to Zoom because Zoom at the time was like our best friend we secretly wish that we would have invested in stock in Zoom <laughs> because of how much we used it right like right, everyone right was on it. And because everyone was on it and everybody else was like craving that person attention, like we just knew that this was something that we had to do. But I mean, like you can go further into like the relationships that we created with brokers and Carl and whatnot, just because of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Susie mentioned, everything kind of went virtual. Um, but I, I will get into that in a second. But you know, like the whole thing with being so far away from our assets yes. um, and being 4,000 plus miles away, almost 5,000 miles away from our assets is what it really did was really make us think strategically about the business, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you're starting a business, you hear people just like killing themselves day after day after day, like in the business, working in the business instead of working on the business, right? Like when you buy a multifamily property, like sometimes it's your first one, you're at the asset like every day, right? Like if, if you're close enough to drive to it every day, like you're there, you're following up with a third party property management company and making sure that they're doing exactly what you, you want them to do and things like that. Like you end up micromanaging all of your property management companies when you should just sure. be asset managing instead of, you know, leading, leading the manager and not managing the manager. Right. And so being so far away, um, yes, you know, how that, how that's been, like, I think it's been better for our business because we've had to think strategically instead of tactically, you know, like on the day-to-day operations, micromanaging thing. And so we've been able to work more on the business rather than in the business because we're not there. So we've, we've really had to really think methodically about like what systems we need to set up because we're not there. What processes we need to set up since we're not there. Like what else do we need to do to make it feel like we're there when we're not actually there. And like our ultimate goal is to be able to do this from anywhere in the world. And we're kind of proving that now by being able to do it 5,000 miles away. Like What's the difference between five and 10 and 15,000 miles away? Not much, but a, t- a couple of times. Away, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. And so sure. we, in, in theory, you know, we should be able to take the same model that we have and, you know, do it from anywhere in the world. You know, I love that you brought that up, Michael, too. You're talking about, you know, you know, working in your business or working on your business because, you know, you can sit here all day and say, oh, I'm working on my business. But really, it's so easy to fall in the trap of working in your business, right? At least mm-hmm. I've found that to be true, right? And so the fact that you guys have set it up, you know, maybe intentionally and also unintentionally being, you know, overseas, it's beautiful, right? Because it, it really focuses you on what you need to do and how you need to interact with that business. And I think yeah. that's that's awesome. So, you know, one thing that, again, we mentioned earlier, you guys have had a lot of success in a very short amount of time, a lot of success. And, you know, it's a lot of it's done with your systems and your ability to manage uh, what you guys have done. But is there one thing or like a main driver you would attribute to the success you've had so far in the multifamily space? Okay. I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's like kind of a bit of two, but they blend. Cool. But I'm going to say like content creation and consistency, but like when your brand is like interwoven with everything that you do. That's why I say it's kind of one. So like when you're out there in the space, like at meetups or at conferences, that is consistent. And you are creating content because like you get to talk to people in person, but like when you're not in person to maintain that consistency, it's through content. And like, that's just what we had to do. Cause we have to make multiple touch points, right? A lot of people in this space, like in the multifamily value add space, like we're offering somewhat similar projected returns. I mean, the numbers are different a bit, but like, how do we stand out over others? And you have to have those touch points. Like, yes, Michael and I are like really focused on the impact part, but if people only hear about us in the impact part once, they're not going to remember us if they see somebody else seven or eight or nine or 10 more times. So that's why I say it's a blend of the two, because we were showing up every week over and over and over, like virtually in person, you know what I mean? But like also through content that we were posting, like through our newsletter and on LinkedIn and on social media. Yeah, that, that's huge. Right. And I think that consistency part is going to be massive, but you're right. You know, it's so much about 
because you're being authentic, right? That's really what it is. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're being who, who you two are and that's how you're projecting yourselves. And that's how you uh, kind of mix it into your business, right? You're not, you're not projecting yourself any other way. So I think that's awesome. Love to hear that. And, you know, you brought something up there that I definitely want to touch on uh, before we, I, I do want to talk about your first deal before we do that. You brought up the uh, basically impact on return. Is that what, is that what it was? Talk return about what, the, you know, return on impact. I suppose, I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a, a little bit about that and what that, what's that about? Yeah. So like what Michael and I focus on is like a different ROI and that's return on impact. And where that was born is like the residents essentially are the most important, most important piece of this entire puzzle. Right. So like, what are we doing for them beyond traditional renovations of an apartment? But then beyond that, like, how are we impacting our limited partners? How are we like Michael and I impacting our general partners? How are we impacting the lenders and the brokers? And then like the community beyond, because when you start to think and talk about people instead of profits, like the way your mind works is just completely different. Like you no longer thinking like I need to make X, Y, and Z returns in order to live my life. When you're like, Hey, I'm going to impact and influence this many people. Like your passions just come up so much stronger. So like in our business plan, we were like, okay, well, what can we add or implement that the residents will actually like? And so for like our first two properties, we're adding in unit connections and washer and dryers, like for the washer and dryers. And that was big because during COVID, when Michael and I were running, we'd wash sorry, we wouldn't wash, we'd run past laundromats and like every other one would be X'd out. And I'm like, that's a bummer. If you went there and it was full, you'd have to go back home and then come back. Like that's a lot of time wasted. And because so many of us are in this business, because we want more time, we only felt that it was right to try to figure out how to give the residents more time. But with that, like with these returns, like we also give limited partners more time back, whether that is like they get to work one less day, or they can retire early, whatever that is. Like, we're just trying to give people back time because even when you can like think beyond, and this is for the residents, right? When you can, when we have covered their like basic need of shelter and they can get beyond just like surviving and start to think about thriving, like whatever that means for them, like everything changes in their household and then beyond their household, it changes at work. And so it's like, okay, we need the numbers to work where we're adding something for the residents, not just turning apartments. Sure, Cause that's sure. not what we are in this for. Like I've only ever rented. So I've never actually owned a home granted. I've only owned apartments. But like <laughs> for me, I personally know that if like my, our landlord were to come in and like want to redu- reduce something every year and just make our rent more expensive every year, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like I, this is not what I'm looking for the house is fine. The flat is fine. We can manage, you know what I mean? So it's like, no, wait, what do we really want? And that's how Michael and I started thinking about it. You know, we were like, okay, wait, we'll pay you more if you, you know, I mean, even redo our carpet, like something like that, like where it's something that they actually want. And so even when we do close, we send out a survey to all of our residents and we like attach a gift card to it just to like, try to get more engagement, but we will put, you know, like, five to seven things that we could potentially implement, but we let them choose like what order they would actually want it in so that we're no longer just guessing. That's awesome. Have you found that that survey actually uh, accomplishes what you're looking for? Ish. (laughs) So so, like 
we have people fill it out, but we're not having like 50% of the people sure. fill it out. But I mean, it still helps, right? So like Absolutely. at one of our assets, we thought that we would want a dog park. And then we found out nobody was filling out dog park. And we're like, okay, we're not doing dog park then. You know what I mean? Like we'll focus on the other things. And so we're still trying to get the engagement. So yes, it does help, but we were just hoping we would get much more. Right. Yeah. You got to think about the resident base too at these, you know, C-class properties, right? Like you're not too concerned with filling out a survey, right? (laughs) But I wish they were. (laughs) The the higher you get in the asset classes, you know, the more engaged I feel like the residents are with like things like that. So we're still trying. Well, I think it's a great idea, right? And it's a good tip for anybody listening, but Hey, this is, this is a great idea, especially like you talk about get engagement. And, you know, I love the fact, you know, the return on impact, just the idea of being able to, you know, mix that into your business is, is beautiful. I, I really like that. And thank you for sharing that. So, you know, we we're talking about, we're talking about a first couple of deals there. Let's just dive in for quickly about uh, the first deal. Tell us a little about that first deal. What did that look like? How'd you find it? Where was it located? Yeah, so the first one was uh, in the market that we are looking in. So we we mainly invest in Tulsa and Oklahoma City, yeah. um, and then some other tertiary markets around that area. Um, we have some investments in Arlington, Texas, as well, but our main okay. multifamily stuff, bigger multifamily, is in uh, Oklahoma. Anyways, um, you know, during this whole period as well, like because everything kind of went virtual, uh, we were able to make several connections with brokers via email, phone, Zoom, things like that uh in, in instead of like actually meeting in person because nobody was meeting in person during COVID. And so we were able to, you know, make connections and then kind of nurture those connections. And through those connections, of course, came several deals. And then I would underwrite them and get back to them. You know, even if I didn't even like the deal, at least I'd provide some kind of feedback. Like I get deals, I get deals now, they just get sent to me randomly um in markets that I would never invest in. I'm like, sorry, I'm not interested in this market. Oh, they're like, oh, thanks for the feedback, you know. Sure. brokers do appreciate any kind of feedback you give them, whether that's negative, positive, or whatever, you know, like even you say, stop emailing me, right? Like I'm sure they would, sure they would appreciate that feedback. But um, anyways, we got one property. This was like August of last year ish. And, uh, and we saw it. Um, I really liked, you know, we had our boots on the ground partner go and walk the asset. He really liked it. Uh, and then we were kind of watching. It wasn't at the, you know, it wasn't there financially when when we wanted to buy it uh or when we actually initially under underwrote it and so we waited a couple of months and we kind of watched it and kept tracking the updated financials that kept going along it was stabilizing and then once it got to about two months of stabilization um that's when we decided okay this is heading in the right direction let's go ahead and jump on this um because we were aiming for agency uh debt on it so with agency mm-hmm. for your listeners agency requires like uh, uh 90 days for 90% occupied for 90 days. So mm-hmm. they require, you know, a the, the asset in order for them to underwrite and lend on it, it has to be occupied at 90% for at least 90 days. So it was heading towards that stabilization period. Um, and so we decided to put an LOI on it. Um, went back and forth with the seller a couple of times, ended up getting it under contract in December of last year, and then closed on it in February of this year. That was our first asset that we closed on. And since then we've closed on four more. So five total wow. um, since then. And uh, we're we're done for this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so right well, now, at least we're done for yeah, yeah twenty twenty one. So this is this is yeah, this is uh, no, late November twenty twenty one. We're not going to be taking down any more assets for us this year, and uh, just kind of um, 
take it easy and make sure that we're on top of our asset management, which we are, and, and then and then kind of diving in next year at first. So yeah. That's awesome. And you know, you guys have done a lot so quickly. So I mean you're doing something right, you know. So uh I do have a question about um, you know, the way you're talking about asset managing and operating. You guys have got a couple of deals under contract or you know, under your belts now. Does the time difference is that a big deal to you guys? Or you guys have been able to mitigate those issues that come with that? So actually we've been able to use it quite a bit to our advantage, especially when we were okay. both working. Yeah. Um, when Susie was still working full-time and I'm, I am obviously still working full-time, now Susie's full-time real estate, but uh, just in the last couple of months, she, she transitioned to that. Uh, but we were able to, okay, so our we are six hours ahead of our market. So our market central time, we're GMT now, British um, mean time. And so we're six hours ahead. So I can go work nine to six. And then when I get home at six, um, it is noon in our market and I can work nice. noon until six or until midnight here, basically in our market, um, and get like a full, almost a full days of work in right. Um, back in our market. So it, it works out really nicely and I can wake up early. We were waking up at four o'clock in the morning, working until nine. And then when I get home at six, we work until midnight some nights. Uh, but in that nine, you know, 4am to, to nine, that five hour period, I was able to write a bunch of emails, all the emails I needed. And then, you know, uh, schedule them to send at like morning time in our market. And then they would come through and then like, I would be able to then respond to emails again when I got off work. Um, so we, we were able to, to use it to our advantage. Um, so a lot of people out there, if you're, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you, and you hear, you know, oh, well, I'm outside the country or, you know, it's, I'm just too far away, you know, from my market or whatever, like use the time zones to your advantage. Uh, and you, you can, and especially if you work full-time because you can wake up earlier or, or stay up later uh, in order to, to really capitalize on the time differences. And now yeah. I think everyone's used to it too, though. You know, like if we don't respond in like three or four, they're like, okay, well, we already know they'll respond when we're sleeping and that's okay. <laughs> sure, sure. That's very cool. And I love that you guys have been able to use it to your advantage, right? In a couple of different areas, right? You know, just from asset management and being able to do the things you need to do. I got to be honest with you, it's kind of tempting me. Maybe I need to move to the UK just so I can kind of set up my business that way, you know, just yeah. make it that much easier on myself. Well, I don't want to say easier, but you, you get what yeah. I'm saying. But uh, yeah. Michael, Michael, this has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed getting to learn more about you, your story and the deals you're doing. You guys are out there crushing it. Uh, but before we get out of here, uh, tell us more about your company, what you guys got going on, and how our listeners can get in contact with you. No, absolutely. You can start. Yeah. So uh, the best way to get a hold of us um, is just by going to adventurousrei.com forward slash info. And there you'll, it'll be a landing page where you can you can find our podcast, which talks we talk about you know how people are leveraging real estate to make an impact in the world. Um, and then we also you can also find our YouTube channel. We talk about asset management techniques and some other multifamily um, acquisition techniques as well. And then you also find uh, more information about return on impact there. And you can also connect with us. There's direct links for us to connect with Susie and I both on LinkedIn. So please connect with us. Say you heard us on this podcast with Danny and, and say, hey, we heard you. This podcast, love to connect with you. We'll make sure we, we initiate that connection for sure. But um, Susie also has something special for your listeners as well. <laughs> yeah. Great. So like if you're wanting to create an impact, but you don't know like what that means or what that looks like, like I created essentially an e-guide and that's at adventurousrei.com forward slash impact. And like in that e-guide, it's like how we can join together as a team and make impacts together and then off on your own, just through multifamily investments. Love it. I love all that stuff. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. You guys are rock stars. Uh, we're going to have to get you back on the show again sometime in the future. Uh, love what you guys are doing. Um, again, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel. It was such a pleasure. It was. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. 
Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.